0: 60 songs that explain the 90s are back and in their final stretch. The Ringer's music critic, Rob Harvilla, curates and explores 60 iconic songs from the 90s that define the decade. Rob is joined by a variety of guests to break it all down as they turn back the clock. Check out 60 songs that explain the 90s exclusively on Spotify.
1: Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2%
0: Hello and welcome to the Ringer Prestige TV pod. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm joined as always on Fridays by Big Waz. Waz, what's up, man? I'm chilling, pinky. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going through a totally standard office rationalization over here. Uh, Waz and I are here to preview the next episode of Succession. It'll be episode four coming at us. We're going to do it entrance survey style as usual. But before we got into our, our usual round of questions, Waz, I thought we could just do a little gut check. One third of the season in, three episodes in. How are you feeling about this season?
1: I'm loving it. Um, I think it's as good as it's ever been. Um, even this episode where you know they're furthering the plot, so to speak. I know we we completely dumped on plots as a concept in entertainment like a few episodes ago, but they're furthering that part. You know, doing that part of the house cleaning, the business of what a show has to accomplish, but. What they're doing with the siblings on in episode three is really cool and really fun. Tell me why. So the scene where Kendall sees Shiv out and they're having this conversation where they're always talking past each other. I thought Kendall had a moment of clarity where he was just, he could see through, completely see through Shiv's bullshit because he's looking at a mirror. He's like, wow, like I used to be that like you just got brought into the company and now you're doing the dirty work. You're doing dad's bidding. You're 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 putting on a mask for this company because you think this is what you have to do to to advance. And like he sees right through shit because he's like, that was me. I'm literally looking at myself in the mirror through my sibling, and I just love what, like his face, his smile. He's like, like if I hadn't already done this job before, I maybe wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't recognize the bullshit that you're feeding me. But because I did that job for so long, I can immediately see your angles. I thought that was just so cool and effective.
0: Yeah, that was a that was a really interesting scene because in some ways, I mean, their performances are so nuanced, but you could see that that they kind of had that same sort of vulnerability with one another that they did at points during season two. And then to see where the episode winds up, you know, where like Shiv spitting into Kendall's date book is essentially like the, the, the Michael Fredo kiss in Cuba and Godfather (laughs) two or something. Uh, That kind of leads me into the first question I had for our entrance survey, which is uh, what song would you play to disrupt your siblings town hall presentation?
1: (laughs) You know, (laughs) Because I'm a first-generation uh, Haitian American, and so are my siblings, uh, I would definitely play a Haitian record. Okay, and I would play a record by the former president of Haiti. Um, his name is Michel Martelly. Uh, who, if you don't, if you guys don't know, it would be like if Eminem became president. Like, meaning like. <laughs> As far as the content of his music, this guy was making really lewd music about sex and philandering and like really scandalous shit. And he became the president of the freaking country after having this history as like one of the most transgressive artists in the history of Haitian music. And so it would definitely be a Michel Martelly song and be probably the song called I Don't Care where he is, he is just saying... The craziest shit you could say on the record. Um in Haitian Creole. So all my Haitians out there, uh, you guys will appreciate that pick. I would probably go
0: with uh if I was Kendall, if and I had to pick a different grunge song to play for Shiv, I might have gone with Daughter by Pearl Jam. But <laughs> if it was just me, I'm an only child, so I don't have to deal with these things. But I would probably play, I don't know, I would play something really obnoxious like Santana's Town. Um mm. <laughs> like, bad. maybe i would play the lloyd banks version of it from like an old lloyd banks mixtape. i would just play something really new york and obnoxious just to get somebody's attention i thought that was a great scene uh how some nobody noticed everybody putting sonos speakers everywhere was pretty interesting but like i thought it was like a very very good scene
1: well that you know what's so funny about that is that i was confused i was like wait so like Kendall did that, right? Like, because I wasn't sure at first, like, the way they set it up, it was it was like, okay, is Kendall coming to crash the board meeting or is he just going to make people, just to generally make people as uncomfortable as possible? Or is this a, an employee at the company, like, this is bullshit, fuck this, nobody needs to be here to listen to it. Like, who did this? And then when you realize it's Kendall and then, you know, Oh, Logan is such a fucking, he is just such an opportunistic bastard when he goes to shit like, see, told you, I told you this guy was a dickhead. Mind you, like, yo, you were sending this dude to prison you know on the season finale uh of last season like you were sending your son to prison Kendall playing some damn speakers at her first little corny ass press conference doesn't even fucking compare but like when when she comes up to him Logan's like I told you to tell you yeah
0: yeah it's so funny because, like, when this this episode, I think, actually warranted and demanded a rewatch. Them more than any of the others So like, when me and Andy do our podcast, we go, you know, we we watch the episode once. We do the watch on Sunday nights, and that's usually like you're just kind of like letting it sink in. And uh, then when I rewatch it to talk to you, I noticed two things. One was like obviously a little bit more care put into the like. You can see Kendall say to his like right hand ma- to his like bag man. He's like, "Go get me." I got a shopping list for you. So that's obviously like, I guess the speakers and then when Shiv comes back into the... So it's a, that's a little bit more clear, but there was a lot of little points in this episode, especially between Tom and Greg that I wanted to ask you about because that's where a lot of the internet chatters come from about, about this season. And just Tom and Greg are obviously always being played for, for laughs. Like they are really like comic relief in a lot of these scenes. But I think that they're kind of... Um, they're precarious legal situations. The both of them could be like the engine to a lot of movement. So the two questions, I had two questions for you here. Should Kendall have bought Greg that watch? Like, is that just like a fuck you too many? Is that like a not tending to the flowers kind of situation? And then who did Tom meet? Because maybe that's just like his pal or whatever. I'm not saying that there's like some sort of secret identity going on here, but in the flow of an episode, you can get caught up in all the, like the one liners and the pathos of the characters, but there's actually some like movement going on here. There's like a little bit of like Tom and Greg both meeting with lawyers. T- Tom saying that he's with Waystar, but meeting like calling independent lawyers. Like, what did you make of all that stuff?
1: I mean, Tom, yo, that scene with him and Shiv. Yeah. We're like, it's just like, wow, Shiv, you were just a bad I ha- person. I have a Shiv
0: question. Yeah. That was like, She's that was
1: a bad person. Um And, I think they're setting up Tom understanding that his wife's a motherfucker. Uh, And you see him setting it up where he's doing the pushback that he would have just never done early on in season one, where he's withholding affection. And he's doing the things that people tend to do in relationships. Like, who's got the upper hand in a relationship at any given moment? Whereas Tom never used to play that game. We see him playing that game more and more now. It's just all this talk around Tom becoming... A witness for the government, or falling on a sword, or something involving the law. That's what I feel like. Yeah, he's moving towards, and like, and like just watching his wife be like, yeah. I mean, you know, no, that that's crazy, but it'd be genius if you did completely take the fall to get a win from a
0: no win. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, my dad would be indebted to you. I would still get to be, you know, in charge of the company. Plus you'd still be my lackeys or you're close. I was just like, Holy moly. But I think Tom is understanding that this is what's happening and that he more than anybody else needs to be looking at over his, his own interests. Obviously, more so than even his wife, who was just like so power thirsty, like she she's just willing to sacrifice any and everything to do so. It's kind of crazy. So I feel like both him and Greg, but Greg, you know, Greg the Egg showed us that like if it's one thing he ain't about to do is go to the pokey. And so I know Greg is he's he's like listen, y'all not gonna have me in nobody's prison, okay? Uh, so I think both of those guys are like, look, we're, they're probably gonna be on the side of the law. That's what it feels like they're setting up anyway.
0: There's only so many seats on the on the lifeboat when it comes to the Roy family, you know what I mean? And eventually you got to get your own you get mm-hmm. your own transportation. <laughs> yeah. I thought that the the Shiv reaction to Tom's yeah. thing, as you said, that was because that was my next question, was basically um what degree like what percentage of what she was saying was sincere versus that was exactly the outcome i wanted and i'm going to pretend to be like touched and surprised that you're offering this this be- to become the beating post because shiv for her this is like i get rid of a guy who's maybe not like on the same page with me sexually not on the same page with me about how i <laughs> want this relationship to go you know what I mean? Now all of a sudden I'm asking for his affection when before it was the other, other way around. And I just thought like that, exactly how you just outlined it was exactly right. Like she starts, she basically does the like, wow, what a great idea that I have incepted you with and I'm totally down for you to have in the first place.
1: The funny thing is it felt like when I was watching it, it felt like she was coming to the realization in real time. Where like dismisses is like, come on, we can't send you to jail. And then she's like, wait, Sending this dude to jail would solve a lot of my problems. It's like, but it and you could see her being like, well, I still have to pretend that I'm his wife and I care about him deeply. I felt I didn't feel like she had accepted. I feel like she was realizing it as we were. In real time. She's like, come on, we can't. I mean, like, even me as cynical as I am and as lusty and greedy as I am, even I, Siobhan Roy, knows not to send my husband to jail on behalf of my father and his horribly corrupt company. But then she's like, well, that might be the smartest thing I ever came up with, you know? And to watch that in real time was just, whoa, like... You know, if, if, th- cause there was a point in earlier seasons where, you know, it felt like they were setting up Shiv to be the most just, most trustworthy, the most independently competent of all of the siblings. Like it felt like they were setting her up to be that. And she is now devolved into just depravity. She is just as depraved as her father, if not more at this point. Cause even Logan's like, you know, I can't. I can't do that to, to my wifey. You know, it's going to mm-hmm. cost me to get it back, but I can't just, you know, I can't embarrass my wifey. I can't do certain type of things like these. This woman has been there for me. I, I kind of need her as a backbone and support. Like, even he's like, there's certain things I can't do to my significant other. Where Shiv's like, no, nah, everybody can get it. Every single person.
0: That was actually, that's, that leads me right into what I wanted to talk about next was the scene between Logan and Shiv where he says, you will not find a piece of paper that makes you ashamed of me and whether that's enough to like absolve logan in shiv's eyes cuz the question here is like you were saying she's sort of propped up earlier in this in the series as because she's working for evis she's working for this like progressive candidate and, you know she's da- she's got her foot in the sort of other side of the political spectrum whether or not like that's her th- that's her sort of no- true north or whether her true north is just really like incredibly selfish and personal absolution and have being able to be like, have plausible deniability about certain things. It's like, is it, is it higher morality or is it simply like corporate morality slash personal survival?
1: It's, it's hard to buy any idea of higher morality for Shiv at this point. Especially after some of the things that
0: she did later, you know, like yeah, meeting that woman at the playground. Yeah. That's
1: what I was about to say. Like, Talking this woman out of doing something that she, the woman was doing it for literally moral reasons, like just off principle, off general principle. No, what these people did was ridiculous. It was dangerous. It was criminal. It was horrible. And I want them to pay, and I want them to pay a public price for it. And she was like, well, what about money? You know, and like, and the way that she does it, where it's like, I'm a woman, I understand, and she's completely manipulating the situation to her own ends. And yeah, I, I don't think there's any argument that could be made that Shiv cares about anything outside of her own aims uh whatever those aims might might be at the time right like the show smartly positioned her you know as this person like oh i i'm self-made i do what i do outside of the family business and the guy that i'm trying to help empower is this like do-gooder blah yeah. blah, blah 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 like they they smartly set it up that way to throw us off the scent but that game was just part of another part of the same thing right like Trying to get a guy elected for president, that like that puts you at the seat of power. Absolutely, you know. And this is no different from that. It's it's all the same. It just was set up beautifully for us to, you know, us bleeding heart libs to be like, oh, look, she's she's you know backing some lib, and it's gonna be great. And uh, no, she just wants to be powerful. That's all she wants. I thought that the whole episode was basically
0: like Shiv just the reaction to like to what happens with with what Kendall does to her at her, t- her town hall is basically her being upset that she chose the wrong opportunity like she was offered the interview that that uh that Roman does where he's just like, yeah, I went trout fishing with my dad. It was really meaningful, and that was obviously like a low profile opportunity. <laughs> but she does, she does take the town hall from Jerry, or essentially say like, I should do the town hall, and it blows up in her face. So I think there's just as much like embarrassment as there is like fury at Kendall. The um, you mentioned the the political candidate that she was working for. We got our first kind of like taste of the White House uh, in this show for the most part with the character of Michelle, who's kind of like this. This Kellyanne Conway type character, but I was wondering if you would give him much thought to who this president is, or if you can get a sense of like, is this kind of like a reimagined Reagan? Because he's the California raisin. Is he supposed to be a Trump standing? He's obviously somebody that Logan's news network helped to the to the to the White House.
1: Do you, do you think much about um, who this who this president is? He's definitely not Trump. Um, like, because a trump president in this world would be more forward facing about mm-hmm. the things that are happening he would have already fired off a tweet he would have already maybe done a rally he would have already he would have already maybe called in to fox and friends or tsn and friends you know like he would have a trump in this world would have already done this you know um that's why it doesn't feel like trump Uh, A Trump in this world would have made his feelings known publicly, like, because if anything, you could say whatever you want about the former president. But it wasn't hard to suss out where he stood on the major issues of the day. <laughs> yeah. Like, nobody was confused about, you know, what's his policy on China? Yeah, what are his takes, yeah. You know, what does he think about critical race theory? Uh, What does he think about corp- the corporate tax rate? Uh, Like, these things weren't secret, you know? And so that's why I don't think it's Trump. I think if you did, you know, Reagan would make more sense because this guy's just like, no, I'm, like, literally— really expertly working this politics angle, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I'm going to make it work for me no matter what. I think the Trump of this world would have been like, all right, you know, show me how loyal you are to me and I'll back you. Right, <laughs> Prove to me your loyalty because that's all Trump cared about. Is like who was willing to, to kiss the ring and who wasn't? Like it's not a, really a matter of principle or this guy's. It's like did he kiss the ring? Okay, he's down. Did he not? Okay, get the, get him out of here. I think you know, my
0: favorite line of this of the episode was when Michelle was like, you know, we we feel like your coverage has not been like exactly truthful," and he's just like,
1: "It could get a whole lot fucking worse." You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and again, Logan, understanding. All right, I have this thing that I can work in my favor. Can y'all do this other thing? Right, which he positions as, "Oh, just do nothing." But yeah. you know, in Political terms, like, I think about somebody like Barack Obama, who so many people I know love and cherish, but, like, you know, it's a black mark that he didn't send any of his Wall Street guys to prison during the financial crisis, right? So doing nothing can be seen as a black mark on you, right? Like, so you telling me, like, all right, just don't touch me. Like, that's, that's an action. Inaction can be an action in certain ways. So Logan trying to position is look, I'm just saying, like, I'm not asking you to, like, actually, like, do anything. I'm just telling you But don't get back. mad when I,
0: when I stand up for myself. Exactly. Don't, ha- don't get mad when I defend myself. Yeah, you know, I, I don't really know what to make of this, but I did find it interesting that there was a symmetrical line um, in Michelle's conversation with Logan. She says to him, we have the same interests here. And that's like sort of their way to negotiate. And that's exactly what Shiv says to Kendall at the the journalist charity function, where they're kind of going back and forth. And she's like, look, I think we have the same... When he's just like, I apologize for being a little extra at my at uh, Rava's house. She's just like, we have the same interests here. Whether or not that's the case, it's interesting to just get the show's perspective on how negotiations ultimately work. But I don't know what it means yet.
1: Yeah, and you know, was funny about that is like... In both cases, that wasn't true. Yeah, <laughs> like I guess we that's, to, have, that's what's to take from it. We don't have the same interests here. In the case of the president of the show, it's like I'm known to be affiliated with you, and they got you deads to rights. No, we don't have the same interests. But I, I'm self interested in be- distancing myself from you. Yeah. you know, and not helping you, and actually grabbing the shovel, um, and. Throwing some dirt on you is actually in my interest, right? And when it comes to Kendall and Shiv, like, uh, no, you've thrown your lot in with, with dad and I'm doing this other thing. We're diametrically opposed to one another. That's the funny thing about both people saying that. It's like, no, we, we're at odds, like, obviously here.
0: I guess the next batch of questions I have are all Kendall related because that was the other half of this show. Andy and I talked a little bit about this and I kind of wanted to get your your take on it. The show this season, I think, is a little bit more attuned to or sensitive about or at least depicting the way the outside world sees these, the Roy characters. Like, I don't remember, you know, you would see things like in the background on TVs in people's offices in the first two seasons about how Logan was being seen. And obviously he gets like, I think, paint thrown at him in the second season at one point. There's obviously like a little bit of that, but not as explicit as like the way the character's Behavior is being dictated by that and that's really the case for Kendall where he's obviously he's becoming a little bit of a slave to the timeline right now where he's just like playing good good tweet bad tweet in the limo and he's uh, very concerned by the Z-Ways characters like monologue and like getting roasted and wants to go and like kind of like play on her field, but also like accrue some sort of credibility is this a welcome
1: turn from the show for you I think it's always important to acknowledge Well, not acknowledge, I shouldn't say that. I think the show uses different, I guess, plot devices to show you the differences between the characters. Um, Take Roman and Kendall, for instance. It's just like we, you and I both know that Roman could not give a fuck what people on Twitter were saying. Yeah. And he never would, right? right? Like he has a keen understanding of just like, Look, in the game of life, these people can cry about whatever they want on Twitter. I'm winning. They can say whatever they want about me. But in the game of life, I'm rich. I'm powerful. I'm winning, okay? Uh, Like, he's acutely aware of who matters and who doesn't. Like, who are, you know, sort of the plebs and who are part of the courtier, right? Like, I ain't no damn plebe. I'm not a sharecropper. I'm not proletariat. I'm the winner. You know, remember when he bet the kid a million dollars that he couldn't get a base hit? Yes. He's just like, they're losers. And I know this. They lost. I win all the time. So they show you, like, the differences in the siblings. Like, they're trying to show you, like, Kendall— is so sensitive and he does care about what people have to say about him. And, you know, that's what makes, it's like a gift and the curse. It's what makes him way more empathetic than some of his family members, but it's also why he can't get anything done. You know, like he is so slavishly devoted to the thoughts of people um, as it pertains to him that he can't do it. You know, and but the show is that does a good job of explaining like these are the differences in these siblings, right? Like ultimately, they're all fucked up in their own way because of this horrible way that they were raised. um, but these these are the lines of demarcation,
0: yeah, it's almost like Rome, you're right. I think Roman has like the most comfort level with like his own like depravity. Like he's just like, I'm essentially having sex with my mother or I'm like sexually attracted to my mother. I'm essentially like, uh, like a deplorable dirtbag who blows up satellites and covers it up. But Shiv and Kendall still want like that. They want to be blessed by the outside world. They want they want to be cool or or right while they're doing what they're doing. And Roman, in some ways, doesn't really give a shit about that.
1: Yeah, and you know, man, it's so interesting too because part of the discourse around the show is about the unlikability, quote unquote, of the characters, which I. I kind of think it's besides the point. I think people miss the point of the show when they do that. I think the point of the show was to show you that these people are products of their own environments. It's something that I I say to a lot of people when people ask me about my own sort of worldview or political beliefs and things like that. You know, because I know a lot of black people, for instance, right, who are uh, feel re- really resentful of white people. and I And I always say, I'm like... I don't—I'm not because I don't know that I would have been a better white person, (laughs) right? Like, I don't know that I would have been a better white—been better at being white. Maybe I would be some shitty frat boy, financed bro, like, depending on my freaking upbringing. Like, I don't know that I would have been saved from being some deplorable, horrible person. Um, And related to that, I don't know that I would be a better Roy, Like, who's to say I wouldn't be the Connor of this situation? Like, like, when you think about how people are socialized and how you're brought up, I don't know that that would have been the case, right? Like, I don't... That's why I don't have judgment for the characters. It's obvious that the environment that, they, that they've that they grown up in and the world and the systems that create the conditions under which they've grown up in um, have a lot to do with the kind of people they've become. Yeah, And so, you know, that's what I think about when I watch Roman. Like, I still like him because there is a certain level of, at least he's self-aware about how ridiculously fucked up he is.
0: Yeah, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but I think that, it would be, it, this would, This is essentially like if, if Game of Thrones was only about the Lannisters, right? Like, right. it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, and I, but that being said, like, I found the Lannisters to be the most compelling part Same. of Game of Thrones. Like, I Same. was most interested in how fucked up they were, yet still modeling not relatable behavior, but recognizable behavior and like their frailties and their like kind of, uh, Their demons were very like, oh, like that's almost more interesting than will this boy become a king, you know?
1: Well, listen, Chris, like, and I know you can relate to this. The first time watching, (laughs) <laughs> Jamie and Cersei <laughs> have a romantic moment after you realize that they're siblings and being, like, into it. <laughs> like, you have to ask yourself <laughs> certain questions, right? Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, you want art to do that to you, to force right. yourself to ask these tough questions of ourselves, of the world, etc., cetera. Et cetera. Yeah, of course. That's To me, that's what makes the show is, you know, you find yourself, like, understanding these horribly depraved people. You find yourself, like, being like, well, shit, man, should I be judging Elon Musk for being the worst person in the history of the universe i don't know you know like i watch <laughs> i see the headline where he's like i'll solve world world hunger if the un can prove that they can do it yeah I'm he like, was like Yo. open your he said like to the world food
0: program guy he was like <laughs> open the books and that dude was like yeah well, for sure let's do it and, he, and then elon was just like mute thread <laughs>
1: You know, it's like when you when you encounter these things in the world, because there's a way to to consume all the things that happen around us and just walk around being just pissed about it. Like if you want to, you can let the horrors of our society consume you and make you pissed or you can, you know. Do something else, like watch Succession and laugh at the dick jokes. Whenever I would
0: see Cersei and Jamie together, man, I would just be like, I don't know what it means, but it's provocative. <laughs> exactly. Get the people going.
1: <laughs> I loved it. I was like, oh, they're back together. Oh my goodness, a reunion! Wow, like this might be the truest of all the love stories because they've loved each other since birth. <laughs> <it's> <laughs> so sick. But therapy. it's the most fun stuff to grapple with, right? Um, and, and, and that's what I think about the Kendall and Roman and Shiv stuff. It's like, man, um, these people are, you know, deeply damaged for sure, but it's, it's about the world that's been created around
0: them. So speaking of that world that's been created around them, it seemed like this was the first concrete signal to the viewers that Kendall's like manslaughter charge is still in play. You know, when, when Logan obviously sends the security guard who cleaned up Kendall's, Kendall's accident into Kendall's office to be like, I know you, you know, like uh, obviously didn't deter him from playing uh, Nirvana over his, his sister's town hall, maybe even provoked him to doing that. Uh, What did you, what did you make of the sort of the ghost of, of Kendall's past coming up?
1: I think it speaks to the weak position that um, Logan is in. I think his position is so weak because I think it was the first episode where, you know— Somebody, I forget who was saying something to Logan, like, yeah, we got dirt on this dude. We can pull yeah. this dude up. Like Mark, what- uh, his wife would say
0: that. She was just like, hey, maybe it's time to like play the ultimate card here. And he's just like, some bombs burn you,
1: you know? Exactly. It's like, well, I'm the one who covered that up. <laughs> like yeah. at the end of the day, I'm part of that now. Like by having helped him get rid of and get over that situation, I'm now part of the responsible parties. I can't actually play that hand, right? But he's still, because he's Logan and he's always working every single angle, he's still, like, whatever, as a threat. It's always worth, worth it to threaten, you know, a guy who's that mentally unstable and substance dependent. Like, yeah, 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 we should do that as an intimidation tactic. But it's already been said before, like, I can't really use it. You know, that's what I thought. I was like, "That's so interesting that they did that because they already showed us that Logan understands that's not actually something that he can use against Kendall because it's it would so muddy his it's own fake name. leverage in that way. Exactly,
0: and then ultimately, that's not what sends Kendall into a spiral. It's it's what Shiv does. It's Shiv taking out that making this statement about Kendall's treatment of women and drug problems and everything else. Is this? And I guess this is my last question is there a point of no return for this family? Like, cause I think one of the things about the show is that people are incredibly cruel to one another, but then find themselves at lunch the next day, you know, like there's all these reasons for them to gather and gather. And, you know, after three episodes, we haven't had one of those standalone, let's send the Roy family on this trip or it's Thanksgiving or whatever, and make them sort of talk to one another on a boat. I bet if anything, we're going to probably see them scattered for the next couple of episodes Mm -hmm. because You know, obviously, Adrian Brody is going to be on the next episode, which I can't wait for. I can't wait for that either. But I mean, for you, like, do you think that this show is got the not the discipline, but maybe the the sort of the backbone to be like, yeah, we're going to keep Jeremy Strong and Sarah Snook out of scenes with each other because they're 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 beefing, or do you think that it's just like, no, this is like this is just kind of how they interact, and even if she spits in his date book, it's still like they're going to see one another soon.
1: You know what's interesting though it's they're going to have to make a choice in the sense that like when when Shiv tries to bully the other two brothers into also signing the declaration that Kendall is a loose cannon, loony drug addict, womanizer, woman abuser, all of these things and make it public uh that's that's their whole point it's like all right, we can say whatever the fuck we want to each other within the (laughs) confines of these rooms. Uh But this is going to live outside of that. That, That's a step too far. Like, they said that. They said it on the show. Like, the siblings are like, yo, that's a step too far. So I think if the show was going to make that meaningful, there has to be consequences for Shiv Because that's the second week in a row now that Roman is basically
0: like, I'm not going to do something because it might kill this person. You know what right. I mean? Like he exactly. was like, I'm not gonna take a stand against Logan in this way because he will probably die if this happens. And then this week he's like, I'm not gonna fuck with Kendall because like when you get down to it, that dude t- showed me how to pee. You know what I mean? Right? Like-
1: exactly. Exactly. Um. And so I think if the show was gonna mean it, they're definitely gonna have to be some repercussions for that action. But at the same time, I think nobody understands more than Kendall. What people are willing to do in service of his father. Right? So if he if he takes a beat and has an empathetic moment for his sister, he can understand that this is what it takes to win this dude over. These are the things that you have to do. And him having once been somebody who was dying. To impress this guy, was dying to please him. I would hope that he could have an empathetic, self aware moment where he's like, My sister's doing this because this is all, this is, (laughs) there's no other way (laughs) to achieve the goal of pleasing Logan, right? Like, but at the same time, again, this was brutal, awful, harsh stuff that Shiv put out there.
0: Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty. It felt very different than past disagreements or beefs mm-hmm. that they have had. Uh, we'll see what happens on episode four. Was thank you so much for joining me. We we're pre- Hold on, hold on, Chris.
1: Before oh, okay. you go, I just want to say, I listen to Three Heat. Oh, shit. So I'm folding laundry, listening to this. <laughs> I got my headphones in, and I'm listening to you talk to Michael Mann, and I could literally hear you smiling and beaming. Do my head. Like, I could hear it. I could feel it. It was an out-of-body experience. I could feel it, dude.
0: It's so rare that you actually, like, find out that the person that you kind of, like, worship is, like, worthy of the the, the attention. (laughs) And I don't know, like, he was, but he had just obviously, like, whatever I thought I knew or thought about Heat, no matter how deep I went into his works, to have him be, like, I'm gonna no, it's actually
1: deeper. Cook your noodle right now by how deep it goes was really, really something else, man. But thanks for listening. The amount of thought that he put into every single character—it was just amazing. Yeah, writing
0: biographies like, for like uh, like tertiary characters—it's it, it
1: the it's what makes him different. It's it's just like so, yeah. dude, Chris. I'm I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, Michael Mann, brilliant. Who knew? <laughs> Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, you know. Um, and I was sitting there and I'm like, who's the artist and the art, the um piece of art that I would want to have an hour and a half conversation, deep, you know, deep convo about one on one. And I was like, man, it would probably have to be Pusha and Malice. About Hell Hath No Fury. <laughs> yeah. Because Real Heads, Real Heads No Hell Hath No Fury is the best clips album. You know, we love Lord Willing. We even love Till the Casket Drops. Do you, are love you counting the We Got gang. It For Cheap Volume 2 in there? We love, the, we love the We Got It For Cheap series, but, I mean, these are all Neptune's Pharrell beats. And, like, not just Pharrell. Like, Chad made these beats, too. Uh, it's just an incredible album the, the 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 circumstances surrounding the album where you know their label shelled them because of x y and z their manager going to prison and all of this shit that surrounded it, and for them to make that album, I would And the whole time,
0: see. Neptune's sticking with them the whole time, even though the Neptune's whole have become, like, basically the biggest producers in pop yeah. music, and they're like, no, but the Clips, we gotta get this Clips record out.
1: But we gotta get this Clips album out, and half of those beats were supposed to be on Kingdom Come, because Pharrell was originally supposed to produce Kingdom Come for Jay-Z, and, like, Whatever. The story around it is just fascinating. But I was like, yeah, I guess my Michael Man would be Pusha and Malice. You know who
0: would listen to that podcast? Besides me? Mm. Kendall Roy.
1: Facts! <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Kendall Roy would be like, God damn, I love Hell Hath No Fury, man. <laughs> Facts. That's true lyricism. Wise, thanks oh, for joining me. John Kerma produced us this week. Wearing uh, Prestige Pod is going full-time, so you can catch Sean and Joanna talking in succession on Wednesdays. Uh, I think there was a sex education pod earlier in the week. You should check out with Ju- Juliet and Joanna. I think we got some insecure stuff, maybe some Yellowstone stuff coming up. So uh, everybody stay tuned to the Prestige pod. You can find Waz on group chat on the Ringer NBA show and Full Court Fits on our YouTube channel. You can find me on The Watch Sunday nights. We do Succession Thursday. We just we just BS. Uh, I'm also on Rewatchables and The Answer on the Ringer NBA show. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you guys soon.